I think what we miss is the power of specific service landing pages. And I think that's been the main driver over the last 10, 11 years for me is really thinking about what I do on the page as opposed to anything else, making that the priority and then looking at how the SEO side of things then feeds into that. Welcome to episode six of season nine of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life that they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified every time a brand new episode drops. Live in the Feast is on Spotify, Castbox, Pocket Casts, any app that you could possibly think of. Probably the one that you're listening to now, obviously. If you've heard the show before, why not leave us a rating and review in iTunes? That helps the show grow and reach other people and helps them out. This season is about building a better and more profitable business. And especially in this COVID and soon to be post-COVID time, I think it's so important to be able to learn from one another in any way that we can. Today's co-host is Tom Hurst. I've known Tom for many years on Twitter and online. He's a longtime freelancer, WordPress developer, web developer, mentor, author, and creator. He shared a tweet about how he leverages SEO on specific pages on his website to bring in leads on a daily basis. He was gracious to come on the show and share more details on this tweet and the process he has to drive not just new leads, but new qualified leads into the business. We dive into how to target specific keywords and what most people miss when writing out these pages, what the structure of a specific landing page should be for your service, and the lessons learned from some of the experiments he ran that didn't work out. There's a bonus episode of this conversation available inside of Feast Club where Tom gets more into the keyword research for a niche within a niche. Check out feastclub.co for more information about Feast Club. You can find out all about Tom at his website, tomhurst.com. That's Hurst with an I slash about. And reach out to him on Twitter and say thanks at Tom underscore Hurst. Like me, you're going to walk away with a ton of ideas from this episode. So let's dive in so you can take some action. Are you feeling like you're in a silo all by yourself with no one to bounce ideas off of? Are you looking to get predictable revenue into your service-based business? Do you want better clients who respect you? Well, gain the support from like-minded developers, designers, and other creative professionals providing client services inside a Feast Club. Forget those stale articles from 2008 giving you advice on how to run your business. It's 2021. Join Feast Club today and get access to a community, including myself, where we share what we're working on in real time, strategies and resources that work in today's market, and ideas and support for one another in a safe place. You'll get access to a private podcast, which has bonus episodes from some of the guests in this season that you can only get inside a Feast Club. 
You'll also get access to a monthly one-hour virtual meetup, a private Slack and Circle community, member-only content library, access to message yours truly directly. Also, you're going to get exclusive expert workshops from folks like Kaylee Moore on pricing, Robin Kennedy on email, and Nick Gulig on sales, and so many more. There is no better time than right now to learn from those a few steps ahead of you and leverage your skills to help and support others to grow all of our businesses together. So if you want to check it out and join a community that's built on the saying, a rising tide raises all boats, head on over to feastclub.co today. I hope to see you on the inside of the club. Now, let's get back to the show. Hey, Feasters, welcome to another episode of Live in the Feast Season 9. I am super excited to have Tom here. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited too. Yeah, I mean, what's funny is like, you know, we just kind of touched upon it before we press record. Like, you know, we've we've corresponded over Twitter yeah. for a while. Right? We never had that face-to-face conversation. So I'm really excited for this. Um, I know a little bit about what you're about and what you're passionate about, about helping people. I mean, you're a developer just like myself. You help other developers and designers build better businesses just like myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But you shared a tweet and I've seen you do this, you know, over the course of several years, at least now, share a tweet about like what you're doing and what works and what doesn't work, right? And one of the tweets that you shared, which kind of sparked this, was all about SEO, but more about being intentional about the page, the specific page that relates to the services. And so I want to dive in a little bit about that here today and hear more of your take on it, because I know you have an upcoming course about this sort of a thing. But I think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, because you talk to them just as much as I do. (laughs) Uh, I think that a lot of us freelancers we hear like Facebook ads and Google ads and like we hear like, hey, you got to be on social media. You got to write 8,000 blog posts in a year. You got to like do all of these mm. things and it spreads us out thin. But yeah. if you really just focus in on one great lead generator to your business, that's really all you need to sustain yourself, correct? Yeah, I think what we miss is the power of specific service landing pages. It's kind of what you've just touched on. And I think that's been the main driver over the last 10, 11 years for me is really thinking about what I do on the page as opposed to anything else, making that the priority and then looking at how the SEO side of things then feeds into that. And this is something that I've done a couple of times is pivot, right? And I even just had a conversation with a, uh, a marketing freelancer last week about this very same thing where he was worried about like, hey, if I'm shifting my focus, do I have to change my whole website? I told him, no, just build a landing page with the new thing and use that in your communications with whoever you're talking to about this new thing. So you just mentioned specific landing pages. Can you dive in a little bit? I'm curious to know more about how you think about these pages in, in your communications. Are you worried about like, hey, somebody's going to do some research and maybe not think about these things and wonder why I'm doing all of these other things? And But he's talking about this one page and maybe this is a new thing. Do you think about any of those? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think I did right at the beginning, but I think now I don't really worry about that because what you've got to think is the person, the prospect, the lead or whatever are coming in and seeing that page, they're landing on that page, right? And a lot of the time they're not really going off that page. So if you've got one page with one specific focus, it doesn't really matter what the other pages look like per se, especially if you don't make them prominent. So let's say that you, you know, you're going to put, um, I don't know, freelance graphic designer, that's your main landing page. And then you might have freelance web designer and then you're linking that in the top navigation. That's obviously a bad look because you, you, you're coming across as a you know, jack of all trades, you're confusing the reader. But if you omit those links from you know, a prominent navigation, how do they know they exist? Right. Yeah. I mean, unless they Google you, but then yeah. from my experience too, like there's so few that are just, if you just, especially in the, the communications, like if you're talking in a conversation with them, they're not going to Google you, right? Like if they Google you and they find some other stuff, that doesn't mean that it's bad. No, exactly. It might be a good thing as well. They might think, oh, um, it, it does these other things as well. That's, that's pretty good. But yeah, I, I agree with what you just said. That's, um, that's true. So when did you realize that specific landing pages was a great source of leads into the business? Mm. I would say pretty much straight away. I think I think at first I made the mistake of all freelance developers and I went way too broad. I didn't niche down whatsoever. Um, I didn't have any real plan about what I wanted to specialize in and things like that. But then I would say about a year or so in, I decided to make a conscious effort to focus on WordPress. And that's kind of when I made my homepage like my key driver of leads, you know, for the at the beginning. So yeah, I just did a bit of research on what terms people were searching for. And I didn't pick the most popular ones. I just went for one that had like maybe a hundred monthly searches or something like that. And then, and then yeah, just just completely focused my homepage on optimizing for that keyword, making a better page, making making Google a nicer page, saving it up for them better than what any other competition were. And counteractive to what a lot of other SEO people say, that's kind of all I did in the beginning. The on-page stuff was enough uh, at that point. And then as time's gone on, you know, I've built links to the site and things like that, um, which I've attracted through content marketing to my other pages and things. So that then obviously then boosts up that page even further. So it all compounds over time. So you said that you targeted specific keywords that people may be searching for and not overly competitive words. 100 per month is not too competitive at all. Did you just brainstorm keywords, things that you would have searched for? Or how did you get those that list of initial keywords to, to do research on? Mm. Well, it's not really that scientific, to be honest, because I just thought my position is going to be freelance WordPress developer. That's what I'm going to be. That's my positioning statement. And I'm not moving from that. So once I had that clear focus, that became my main keyword, freelance WordPress developer. And then everything else kind of spun off from there, you know, like more of the, the long tail stuff that kind of just came naturally as I wrote content. But yeah, I think what one of the, one of the things that a lot of people miss is they don't write enough content on the landing pages. So what I found is obviously my main keyword being freelance WordPress developer. If I kind of explained the benefits of what a good freelance WordPress developer can do for your business, that gives me then more juice from Google. They like that better. And I noticed that the, the, the more content that I added to the pages, the, the higher I would rank in the early days. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. And I'm not an SEO by any stretch. <laughs> like, my SEO is Same, really. terrible. <laughs> but 
Yeah. So, I mean, people say like, instead of writing, don't write for Google, write for the humans. Is that something that you take into consideration? Definitely. And I would agree with that statement. And I, I think you've got to think that Google are trying to make an algorithm that thinks like a user anyway. So they're one and the same thing, really. And if, if you're going to, if you're going to start thinking, oh, I'm going to write for these robots, it's not going to read right. And you're going to just end up, you know, going round in circles. So yeah, that, that definitely rings true to me. Going back to not writing enough, I just crossed my mind too, because one of the things that both Google doesn't like and humans don't like is, hey, landing on a page. And because we're kind of talking about a specific landing page for your services, landing on a page and then leaving because the answer wasn't made or whatever, right? Bounce rate. You said that you don't write enough. That's the mistake that a lot of people are doing now. How long are these pages that you're making? I mean, are they answering multiple questions? Is it What's the sort of, I guess, structure of these pages so that enough is enough? Yeah. Yeah. No, good question. I think that the, the structure that I stick by is to have some kind of hero section, which summarizes just crystallizes basically in the reader's mind that they're on the right page. So you've got, you know, like a headline, which explains what you do in a few words. Then you have, you know, another sentence that might expand on that a little bit. So then what, then once you get outside of the hero section, then you go in below that. And I would perhaps have two to three other sections. So one might be what are the benefits of hiring a freelance WordPress developer to your business and then answer all the main questions that, you know, those businesses typically come up with because when you target a specific niche, the clients all start to look the same too, right? And they have a lot of the same problems. So that then makes it really easy for me to answer all those questions and deal with any potential objections and things like that. So yeah, maybe two or three sections after the hero. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, do you, on that page itself, do you put like client testimonials? Do you put like how to get get in contact or is that something that would be separate off of those pages? No, I would put trust signals and a way to get in touch all on the same page. Because really what, like what we touched on at the beginning, I'm looking to get them to convert on that page. I don't really want them going anywhere else. So I want all the proof that they need and all the functionality that they need to get in touch right there in front of them. I want them to try and make that decision straight away. So that's awesome because that's like a sales page then. Like you might, yeah, you know, an offer page. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people think of landing pages as more like that. A few years ago, it was called like a squeeze page. Like it was like, yeah. hey, just to get the email address, the lead magnet, and then nurture them forward. But you're you're essentially saying, hey, look, I'm building a page that's the actual offer. Like this is what it is. This is how it benefits you. Here's the track record that I have of doing this successfully. So uh, I really, I really like that. So before we dive in, because one of the the, the little snippet in that tweet that really pulled me in was like the it's more than just SEO. So I want to dive into that a little bit. Before I do that, though, I always love to ask, both from a professional, personal, whatever you're willing to share, what has been your defining moment in life so far? Oh, that's a good one. Defining moment. I think there's probably been a few, really. I think the first one was when I finished education and I had kind of this epiphany where I just knew that I wouldn't be able to work for anyone else. And that kind of then defined the rest of my, you know, professional life essentially to this point. Um, so yeah, that was that was the first one. And then I was, I suppose, later in life, it was committing to exercise. I think that was probably the second 
biggest defining moment in my life, realizing that exercise is essential and everything else is better after. So yeah, I would go with those as the, as the main two. So what was, what was that epiphany, if you don't mind me asking, mm. of, of, of like, hey, I realize I can't work for somebody? Yeah, I think it's because I just like being in control, I guess, of everything that I'm doing, whether that's my time or, you know, the business exploits or other things. I actually applied for a job when I left university and I didn't get it, but it made me realize, I suppose the epiphany was that I did, my heart wasn't in it and I, and I could tell, like, you know, the job wasn't really what I was looking for in life and I knew that it wouldn't fulfill me, so I didn't give it my all. And that just made me sit back and think, yeah, I need to, uh, you know, go another way with this. That's wise at such a young age, just to know that <laughs> you're not into it and realize that that's, that's cool. I mean, I was 14 mm-hmm. and I still vividly remember the time at which I was doing it. And I was, a, you know, I basically stocked shelves at a fabric store. So it was like the worst job ever as like a teenage boy, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like old ladies walking through, picking up fabric, you know, that sort of thing. But I remember sitting there on the floor saying to myself that I just didn't want to dread waking up going to a job every day, right? Like, and that, and that was pre-internet, like, you know, this is the nineties and stuff. So, you know, like it was like, I had no idea what it would look like or anything, but that was my epiphany moment where I was Mm. just like, yeah, this isn't good. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to hate my days. I'm going to be working five days a week, you know? And so I, I could certainly resonate with that. So, like as I as I said, like you said that it was more than SEO, and we we touched upon a lot of the SEO components of what this page looks like, what it can and can't do, what it should do, the target of it, and stuff like that. But what did you mean by more to it? Yeah, so kind of what I meant by that is everything that I consider makes a good personal website. So you know you've got layout and style, what content to include, positioning, messaging, a lot of the stuff that we've just talked about with how to write convincing copy, how to craft offers like what we just spoke about. So yeah, it's, it's kind of the all-encompassing curriculum, I guess, of what makes a good personal website. And it's more than just getting traffic. You grew up as a developer, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a developer. I have no idea how to design anything. <laughs> uh, and and I even had to learn how to write well too, right? Like I just, I'm a math brain. I'm not <laughs> like a, a literary brain, right? And so mm-hmm. did you get help with all of that other stuff? Did you learn from somebody else? Because I mean, that bullet list that you just ran out there was like, that's a large field, mm. right? And so like, how did you kind of juggle all of that to make a cohesive experience. Yeah. I think it's just um, natural interests. And that's kind of what I've always been driven towards more the business side of things, really. Like I love web development. I love coding websites, but it's more of a tool that pays the bills. If you know what I'm trying to say, I'm not one of those developers who consider it to be my be all and end all. I've got a lot of other interests and skills and things like that. So yeah, the way that I learned all that stuff really was just through self-pursuit really, um, self-interest, reading business books. That's one of the things I always teach a lot of, um, you know, younger freelancers or freelancers that are earlier in their careers, you know, don't just go hundred percent into the craft alone you know, think about how you're going to run the business as well. Yeah, it's great advice. I wish I had that when I started. (laughs) Because like you said, I looked like very much like every other developer out there. 
if you needed a line of code written and you were willing to pay for it, I'm here, right? And it was like anything, like PHP, mm-hmm. Ruby, Java, the whole nine yards. But like you, I kind of focused in on WordPress. I even went deeper than that. I went to WooCommerce and the subscription plugin yep. specifically. Yep. And that was the big moment in the business where I was like, okay, this is good mm-hmm. for me. And as you said, I, I know exactly what you mean. It pays the bills, right? Like I get that because for me, I, I minored in psychology in in college. And that for me was always an interest to me, human behavior, mm-hmm. how people react or don't react to certain things. And so e-commerce was always something of, of an interest to mine because even just pre-Amazon, like I flocked right to e-commerce because I was like, these are awesome problems to solve. They're challenging. You get somebody to trust the web enough to put a credit card in was a problem back in the day, right? And so for me, that was always so interesting. And so that's why I centered around that and obviously grew out from there. But I didn't realize that until later. I went on my own for a year and a half, then went back to work for somebody else for a while, and then finally went and it took me another year to realize that <laughs> and it was like you know, whole, almost it was almost a decade it was probably about eight years from those times to do that and i was just like man why can somebody just tap me on the shoulder and be like, hey, <laughs> you know this other stuff that you like go go towards yeah. that too yeah i mean i did um psychology too i studied psychology in college and um, so I think that's kind of what pushed me towards, you know, the, the messaging, positioning, um, crafting offers and all the psychology and, and that side of things in business. So, yeah, I think we've got a lot in common there. And, and so I know we talked a little bit about a course that you're putting together, right? And so, you know, I don't want to <laughs> turn back all the way, but could you describe a little bit? I mean, it's obviously part of this and you kind of exchange that with me in the tweet too, but could you share a little bit about what the course is and and why you think that it's so important for freelancers out there. Yeah, sure. So it's going to be um, along the similar lines of what we've been talking about, really. Just everything that's worked for me on my personal website that allows it to um, constantly bring in leads, opportunities, and make money directly in some ways as well through selling products and things like that. I want to teach all that in one resource for other freelancers so that they can get the same level of opportunities, hopefully, that I've had in the last 10 years. So, yeah, the, the format's going to be a video course. So, at the minute, I'm, I'm actually creating the course right at the moment. So, I'm just finishing the outline right now. And it's getting pretty beefy because there's there's a lot to say. But, you know, it's uh, it's going to be really valuable for a lot of people, I hope at least. Look, I've I've learned just in this conversation. <laughs> so, you know, for I it's going to it sounds like it's going to be super valuable. We talked about all of the great things. All of those like hey, I, I build the landing page, get leads in, like all of the good things that have happened. I'm sure over your career when you've tried some of these things, it wasn't as successful as you had hoped. Can you pinpoint one of those scenarios and maybe how you sort of, hey, adjusted or pivoted from that? Mm, good question. I can think of a couple, actually. So with the landing pages specifically, at first, I would not have the contact form on the page. I would always divert people to, you know, the contact information page, you know, that might have a form, an email address, an address, and a map or something like that. So I was kind of, 
adding an additional step that I didn't really need to. And so, yeah, the pivot was, you know, to put the contact form on every single service page that, you know, that I had on my website and then it just removed that friction. So yeah, that's one. And then I guess the second one would be trial and error with keywords. Um, some didn't bear as much fruit as what others would. It's hard to give specifics because everyone's service is different. But yeah, my advice on a pivot there would be to don't, don't be scared of trying multiple landing pages that you know might visually look the same, but have different content on them that are targeting different keywords and just double down on the ones that work and you know abandon the ones that don't. If, if There's no real harm in leaving them up, to be honest, um, to see if they bear fruit over time. But yeah, don't, don't be scared to have multiple landing pages that, that look the same, but are optimized for different content and different keywords. So how, how do you know, I mean, aside from getting the leads in the door, mm-hmm. how do you know like, hey, this landing page is working, this landing page isn't? Is there a specific time frame that you kind of give it like a month or whatever, or two months or a quarter even that you say, hey, look, I'm going to put up these three landing pages. They're all to the same service, but they're targeting different keywords. Or is it a lot less science behind it? You kind of just like, hey, I'm going to put these three up and then I'll just leave them up. It's fine. Yeah. It's the the less science approach. Just just put them up, leave them, and, and see what happens. Like a good example, um, the other day I did one off the cuff for targeting Gatsby. Um, it's like a new front end framework, and a lot of people are doing a lot of headless WordPress stuff with it. So there's, there's overlap there within my skill set. So I, yeah, I threw I just threw a page up. I had a spare few hours about four or five months ago, something like that, and it got its first couple of leads in the last week or so. So. Some, some of them take longer than others to, to bear fruit. But yeah, it's not that scientific, really. I'm not checking on them every single day. Obviously, when the lead comes in, you notice that and you're like, yeah, this is working. Could I tweak it? it you know, is there something that I can do to perhaps improve it? Is there lessons that I can learn for other landing pages and things like that? And so your back end, right? We're talking a lot about the front end thing. Does your back end, then, then do you have like a formal CRM that you put people through, like a sales pipeline process? Or is it like, hey, I'm just going to email back and forth and we're going to kind of riff off of the project and then set up a call and proposal? Yeah, it's it's the latter, really. I, don't, I, I try not to overcomplicate my processes. Like, obviously, I see the uh, the benefit of tools, but I think for this, I've always just done it like what you said, you know, email comes in through the form. I try and qualify them a little bit more with a few, you know, quick lines. They send me over any assets that they want to send over email. And then we'll jump on a call if we think that there's chance for a good fit and then take it from there. Nice. And how complicated is that contact form? <laughs> it's, um, really. I, it, it's just three fields at the moment, but I, I've tried, I've tried a few different ones. So I, I've obviously tried the pre-qualification route. So I've tried, you know, like adding um, budgets and things like that in a drop down, and and that does work well, to be honest. And and you might you might get less leads, but I also find that some people get confused and they don't really want to divulge a time frame or a budget right at that stage. They just want to make contact, and then you can take it from there. But also another thing that I do because I do get more leads than what I can handle is I like to pass them on to other people or outsource work as well. And I find if I put like the budget fields that only I would be able to take on a project for, that would then get rid of those opportunities. And I think that that's a bit of a waste. So 
I like that too, because being a connector of sorts, your leads are going to remember that. And I, same thing, like there's been times where I've referred off work and it's been a great successful project. And then that person then comes back to me even like a year later and be like, mm-hmm. Hey, I know you referred me to so-and-so, but I think, you know, we can work together on this. And, um, it's yeah, good to pay it forward it. as well. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that like, that's <laughs> what I do in the Feast Club too, especially if I have a conversation with somebody and they say, Hey, look, I'm looking for this kind of gig. Then in my ears to the ground for that sort of a thing. And inevitably within the next couple of days, I see something just because I, yeah. you know, kind of keep an ear to the ground there. That's awesome. And so this is, this is maybe a strange question, but how many landing pages would you say that you have out there right now? Not, not that many, less than what you might think. I think there's for services in particular, I think I have three or four at the moment. But then I have others for other things as well. Like I run a a mentorship program for freelancers where I I work one-on-one with people over email and uh, Slack. So I have a landing page, obviously, for the the sale of that service where people can sign up for that right there and then. Closed at the moment because we're we're full, but I I suppose that that counts as a landing page as well in, in terms of this discussion. And then I have product landing pages as well, right? So I have like some free resources, a free ebook a paid ebook, and then obviously the pre-order for the, the new course that's coming. Because in my head, I'm like, man, he's probably got like 25, 30 no. pages <laughs> up somewhere. <laughs> like, like, and to that point, I mean, I, my thought was like, he, you have a lot, but there's like five to the one service, five to the other. And there's like just a bunch of different tests running. That's kind of like how I would think. I'd be like, okay. But you're saying that just even over time, having just the one page, like the Gatsby one you put up several months ago, now it's starting to get some juice there, especially in the WordPress space, Gatsby's new. It's maybe somewhat competitive. People are searching for it more. So it kind of like goes slightly against what you were saying at the top, like you target the lower competitive stuff. Maybe Gatsby is a little bit more competitive and maybe that's why it took a little bit longer. Is that is that fair to say? Afraid to think. Mm, I think. I think I targeted the the low the lower competitive keywords right at the beginning. Like now, I'm not so scared by you know a bit more competition because obviously the domain that I'm running on's got a bit more authority over the last ten years. Oh my god, I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it just must make me realize. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, because that's the thing too. Like, I, I realized that. It was funny. I think it was the beginning of last spring. Like I got the renewal for my domain and I was like, oh my gosh, it's been that long. Like I I had the domain for like 11 years and I had never realized that. And I bought it in college and did nothing with it or whatever. But just over time, like just age of the domain helps. Exactly. And, And the more links that you get over time as well. And the more content that you produce on the blog and things like that, it all contributes to the overall authority of your domain really over time. One of the things that surprised me was not last year, the year before, I did, I set out to go on a hundred podcasts, and I was like, I'm just gonna, go, I'm not a writer, I'm not gonna put out a hundred blog posts. It's just not gonna happen. Well, my youngest son was born in the spring, so I took a break. I didn't get on a hundred, but I got on almost seventy, and I took stock in my domain by accident, <laughs> like seeing where the domain rank was prior to doing that. And then at the end of the year, I, I took stock and I the, whatever the domain ranking is, the domain authority went up 10 points and I didn't do anything. And it was like you're saying, it's just the links that were happening out there 
on other people's site helped my domain authority too. So that's another, I'm going to do that again, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a really good, it's a really good tactic because if you think about it, when you appear on a podcast, you're going to get a link in the show notes, right? And each one of those will have boosted up your domain. So yeah, it's a, it's a really smart, um, it's a really smart link building tactic. Yeah. I mean, it took a ton of time. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. For me, it was easier than trying to come up with guest blog posts and mm. ideas and, and unique content in that way. It was easier to just pull up a microphone and have a conversation with someone. So this has been super helpful. I know I've learned a bunch of things. So there's some things that, you know, I've got services that I could probably put up some stuff for. So it's got my juices going. So I'm sure that the audience as well, before I let you go, Aside from the course, what else do you have that's coming up in the next six, 12 months? Yeah, so I think I'm at a bit of a crossover point really where I'm moving away from selling services and more into products. So I think for the next six to 12 months, I'll be creating more products to help uh, more freelancers. That's the, the overall aim while, you know, still doing the freelancing as well on the side to keep my uh, skin in the game, you know? Yeah. Walk the walk, right? <laughs> exactly. Walk the walk, talk the talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Because that that's how I am too. Like, I feel like if I, how am I supposed to help somebody if I'm not doing it too? So I get it. Exactly. Cool. So I appreciate your time and sharing some wisdom with us today. Where can folks reach out the best way to reach out and say thanks? Yeah. I mean, the best way to get me is probably on Twitter. I'm quite active on there. So it's at uh, Tom underscore Hurst. And you can find out more about me by going to tomhurst.com forward slash about. Um, and you can find out about my uh, products that I'm creating for freelancers at tomhurst.com forward slash products. Awesome. And we'll obviously have all of those in the show notes as well. Certainly go give Tom a thanks on Twitter. He's super active. I thought I was active. <laughs> I think you're more active than I am. So again, appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for coming. Thanks a lot, Jason. It's been great. For everyone listening, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. Mm-hmm.